1: plan savings with three lines of t-mobile essentials versus comparable available plans plan features and taxes and fees may vary
2: welcome to special edition a weekly look at the issues in the news and the personality shaping the stories special edition is a production of intercom communications
3: Welcome to Special Edition. I'm Paula Dagnan. This week on Special Edition, U.S. Attorney for the Middle District of Pennsylvania, David Freed, will be here. He's talking with Intercom's Frank Andrews about Operation Legend. We'll also be hearing from Scranton Mayor Paige Cognetti. She caught up with Intercom's Jason Barsky to give us an update in the city of Scranton and we'll also be telling you what's happening in neighborhoods there starting on Monday. We're going to start off our program today with Intercom's Frank Andrews. He invited Haley Michelle back to talk about PUA. So if you have any questions about that, you may find them answered. And just another reminder that coming up at the end of our program today, we're going to say thank you and farewell to a friend of Special Edition who we were very pleased to have as part of our program. But right now, Frank Andrews caught up with Haley Michelle, and they're talking PUA.
4: And so a woman from from Pittsburgh, from the Allegheny County area, along with a couple of other women, formed a Facebook page called PUA Pennsylvania. The goal was to get thousands and tens of thousands of people together sharing common problems and answering questions. And the administrator of that site is Haley Michelle, and she's on the line with us right now. Haley, thanks again for joining us. This, this woman has never said no when we asked for anything, and there have been some real serious cases where I have actually asked her to call people, and she did. Haley, you have just done an outstanding job, and I want to thank you again personally. Oh,
0: thank you. It's it's fine. I'm just trying to navigate it myself while trying to help other people navigate it with this lack of communication from the Department of Labor. It's something I can do from home. And staying safe yep. while being quarantined, basically. <laughs>
4: now, now, I've asked you this just about every time we talk to you, but is there one common question or problem that you're seeing now?
0: Currently, we're having a lot of issues with um, deleted claims and claims stuck in progress or IP issues. So with... Um, They've all gone and their claim's just gone, and they're like, where's my claim? Nine out of ten times, it's because they're eligible for regular unemployment, but nobody has told them. So I would contact regular unemployment, especially if you have W-2 wages, and in the year of 2019 or the beginning of 2020. If not, then it's something else. It could be an identity issue or something else. But nine out of ten times, it's, it's that you're now eligible for regular unemployment, especially with the quarter change. They just changed the 5th of July, I believe. So a lot of people are now eligible. So they should double check, even if you were denied before, just double check. And they kind of been bending the rules with regular unemployment. So even if you don't meet their standards of what they have on the website, you may still be eligible, surprisingly.
4: Okay, I know you've agreed. We want to take some phone calls from some folks. Are you okay with that?
0: Yes, of course.
4: Okay, let's begin with Patricia Nanicoke. Patrice, what's your question for Haley?
5: Um, Haley, my husband, um, he has applied. He did not receive anything. Everything just, it says in progress. Everything is in progress. He originally did receive that first stimulus check, but ever since back in March, we, everything just says in in progress. We did forward additional information that they asked. That was back in June. Uh, There were two more pieces of identification, plus his license. They have everything, but again, it's still in progress. Could you help okay, me? can I ask you, um, did he have, did he work a W-2 type job or was he only self-employed? He's only self-employed.
0: Okay, so he had no W-2 type wages. Does no. he have any outstanding issues? No. Okay, um, what about open issues? What does it say there, like a number one or two? Um, I believe when,
5: when, when Mr. Andrews told us uh, a month ago, we checked and I believe it said it was like a number one. So that's when we put in that additional uh, uh, information that they were looking for. And which week did you
0: apply for PUA?
4: Why Haley, is the, is the week critical?
0: Sometimes, well, they started doing it, if you applied in the week of, like, May 23rd, or mid-May to late May, that week, those weeks were really hit hard. A lot of those applicants
4: were hit hard with the IP issue. And okay. I- IP is identity problem? Is that what IP is?
0: Well, I think so. It's not in progress. I'm pretty sure it's identity problem. They read, And it's just you've got to upload the front and back of your ID for one. And you've got to email a certain email. Um, the email is D-L-I-Verify at PA.gov. So D-L-I-Verify at PA.gov. No, so that's so um. the that's woman the first I'm speaking time I've heard with, that's that. what I would recommend doing: that in front of ID, um, maybe a social security card, maybe you know birth certificate, and proof that he did have wages, that he did have self employment. So proof of like Schedule C that he did have self-employment and then proof that he lost wages, so maybe bank statements to so, prove that he lost Patrice, wages. Patrice, it
4: sounds like you have to you have to send more stuff. Now, I, I had never heard that address, Verify at PA.gov. Patrice, did you it's use It's actually D-L-I
0: Verify. Okay. Yes, Department of Labor and Industry, I guess it stands for. Right. Yeah, okay. That's a new one. Okay, the first
5: week that uh, we applied uh, was March 14th.
0: They, okay, that's the first week you tried to claim, yes. They didn't allow you to actually fill out the application until April 18th. So whenever you filled out the application, it sounds like it's a IP or 261 issue. If you haven't gotten through, that's what it is from my, from my understanding. So what you want to do is upload the front and back of his ID to his portal. Um, you know, maybe uh, his birth certificate, social security card, and... Like it's a bank statement showing he lost income, and a Schedule C or 1099 showing he was self-employed. And then email d i d l i verify at pa.gov. Include your first, include his first and last name, claim number, and say I have an IP issue. I uploaded all the documents. Suggested. Can you please clear this issue? Unfortunately, it still does take several weeks for them to clear it.
4: Good luck, Patrice. Yeah. Wow, that—that's too much work for the average bear. I'll tell you. Adam in Pittston, your turn. What's up,
6: Adam? Okay, so since I was I was being paid, but I was being paid only two thirds of my actual pay. Uh, am I eligible for either the rest of my pay or am I eligible for the PDC?
0: Does your pay subsay say forty hours full time? Yes. Unfortunately, then, no, that's something I would talk to your boss about for deducting your rate, and that's sad. I'm sorry, but if you work full time, unfortunately, you're not eligible, even if they did reduce your rate if you're full time, it makes
4: you ineligible uh that yeah, that, 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 uh, that I get mad about ten times a day over this stuff. It's just too much I
0: agree <laughs> I agree definitely. Especially when people are need those two jobs to sustain their lives.
4: Yeah. All right. Let's go back to the phones. Wendy Mountain Top, thanks for hanging on, Wendy. What's your question?
2: Applied for unemployment on March uh twenty third. I was laid off on March twentieth was my last day of work. Um, I waited a few weeks, didn't hear anything. So I uh what I did was I went into the computer and I reapplied because I just had a feeling and sort of my fiance that it didn't go through. And that's pretty much what happened. Um, So, the second one did go through. Um, they told me to sign up on March 9, uh, April 19th, I'm sorry. And I received my unemployment regularly until I went back to work on uh, June 15th. But for those first few weeks I received, they never paid me for those first weeks that I was off from the 20th of March uh, to the 19th of April. I see what you're so saying. Your claim,
0: your um, your date, your claim date, the start date is incorrect, in which case if it's PUA, you need to upload proof of when you lost work and call them. If it's regular unemployment, you should still be able okay. to call them, which I know is terrible, but they're the only people that can do it. Or you can email them and say, hey, I need my application start date changed because I never got these two weeks of pay. And luckily, those okay. two weeks... They didn't include the 600 so you're not missing a ton of money but it still counts I totally get it so right, um, you're going to exactly. have to email them or call them about and say hey I need that start date changed because this is the day that okay. I actually
4: lost work when you when you hear the afraid okay give them a call that's I said that's like penance because they're yes. <laughs> the, the PUA line is up and down often isn't it
0: from what I hear, um, I'm not really sure what goes on. I hear there's the animal noises. They don't accept. They only accept initial claims, and that's not true. If you press 2, they can help with existing claims, even though the recording doesn't say that. Press 2, and um, you start early. I'd say 7.59, Thursday or Friday. And then I hear people get through around, like, 1 or 3 o'clock sometimes. It's just randomly throughout the afternoon you might get through. And it does take about three to 500 times sometimes to get through. Through of redialing. If you have an Android, download a uh, redial
4: app. Haley Michelle, who is the administrator of PU of Pennsylvania, is on the line with us right now. And got I wanted to mention
0: real quick, um, IP means Internet Protocol. Also, if you have any W-2 type wages from 2019 or 2020, I would definitely, even if you know you're going to get denied... PUA wants that denial, so make sure you apply, get denied, and then upload that denial to your portal. They want to see, they see that denial, and they can sell your claim if you don't have it, sometimes we've seen.
4: See, the, the frustrating thing for me is that I, I get calls, and then I wind up calling you or emailing you. There are some people who have been waiting weeks and weeks, even months for a penny.
0: Yes, it's very upsetting. There is a, there is a. We we do this like once a week, where on our page you could put your cash app or Venmo, and maybe somebody will donate like twenty dollars to you on our page, like an angel gift type thing, but. It's very upsetting. They could also, if they've been paid before and they stopped receiving payments, they can contact lo- their local legal aid. They'll be able to help them. I would suggest that if you've been getting paid, they stopped your payments for more than two weeks. Maybe you're going on week four. I would contact your local legal aid to see if they can help speed things up because that is not okay. Please.
6: Tom, are you there? I had gotten my, uh, my job had gone to uh, partial unemployment. Uh, every other week we worked because we got furloughed and I applied and I started getting my benefits. But now for about five, six weeks, I haven't seen anything. So I've been trying to, they said my, my account is under review. So uh, just to continue to file biweekly and which I've been doing, Uh, I've tried calling, I've tried uh, the chat room, I've emailed only once. I don't want to keep emailing because that would back me up. Correct.
0: Yeah, they say that. I mean, you could try it again, but they do say it would mess it up. I would maybe email three times total. Um, does it say open issues? Anything under open issues?
6: My, my biweekly claim is under uh, review.
0: Okay, your regular unemployment, you need, I am not very good with regular unemployment, but I would recommend, I know this sounds terrible, but calling them, because with regular unemployment, 99% of the time, it's just a simple issue that you need to call them, you probably answered a question wrong, or something really easy, like simple. That takes two seconds
4: to fix okay. on the phone. Again, Haley Michelle, Administrator, PUA Pennsylvania, on the line with us from Allegheny County. Haley, I, I've got some texts that are coming in that indicate that a lot of people are confused, like this one. Frank, is it true now that PUA is done? And the answer to that is no, but I can see where people can be confused, Haley, because of the $600 issue. Can you explain it?
0: Yes, PUC is the six hundred dollars, and that's what, and that is this Sunday when you claim. That'll be the last week you get that six hundred dollars. PUA isn't done currently until December twenty fifth. If they change that, they may change that. I don't know. They may extend it, but it's the twenty fifth. And regular unemployment, so you'll you'll get your weekly benefit amount one ninety five, or if you're regular unemployment, whatever that is until your claim expires. With P rates, December 25th, with regular unemployment, it just depends. And the 600 is the only thing that's done this weekend.
4: And that's the thing they're arguing about in Washington. Now listen to this one, Haley. My wife filed a partial unemployment for a reduction in hours. April 4th, she got a few bucks every couple of weeks. And last week, she got probably $5,000. And some depi- it was 1080 per week. We weren't aware that PUA applied to partial payment. Is that correct?
0: Uh, PUA will pay the $600 towards, for even if you have a dollar you earned in unemployment or PUA, you'll get the $600 if that's all you got was a dollar. So, yes, yeah, the 600 does apply to partial payments as well. But you shouldn't be getting the full 195 with it. So um, I would look to see where that money's coming. If it came unexpectedly, I would double check and make sure everything's legit and it's not some type of hacker or something.
4: Okay, now there's a woman named Natalie. She and her husband have been contacting me. It looks like he applied for PUA and everything is fine. There's no messages, no 261, no IP, no nothing, but he hasn't received a ReliA card.
0: So Wendy just uh, messaged me this. This is actually, it's been happening to a lot of people. The best time to call reliacard they're open 24 seven. So this sounds crazy, but set an alarm for like one to three or four in the morning and try calling then. And even if you have to wait in line, that's better than not being on hold at all.
4: Okay, now they called and then ReliaCard said, no, we don't even know about you. And I said, that could be a fraud issue. Am I right?
0: Sometimes PUA doesn't send the information front to ReliaCard about that claimant, so maybe they they may unfortunately have to call PUA to have them send the information to ReliaCard and. Hopefully they don't. I would wait another couple of weeks, depending on when they started claiming. If they've been claiming for a month and they've received nothing, they can also contact the Treasury. They'll tell them how it's being paid and who's paying it.
4: The Pennsylvania Treasury. Yes, That's the
0: PH measurement, it's hard to get through, but they'll tell you if it's coming by check. Certain weeks came by checks, and certain weeks came by cards. So if you're missing half of your payment and only half on a card, the other half's probably coming by check. You, the Treasury would know best.
4: Okay, Henry, Jenkins Township, your turn, Henry.
6: Uh, I just received an email from the uh, Pennsylvania Department of Labor saying that I shouldn't be applying for unemployment compensation during the summer because I'm a substitute teacher.
2: They should still
0: pay you the the weeks they owe you. If you haven't been paid them, you will still get those weeks they owed you, even if you don't continue to claim further eventually
6: they told me on the email that I shouldn't be filing biweekly claims because I'm a teacher and the schools are closed and I shouldn't be doing that and if I got any money I have to give it all back
0: during once the schools got shut down until the end of the school year you were definitely covered as far as continuing to be covered throughout the summer you'll still get paid for the months until school closed as far as continuing to be covered throughout the summer do you normally file throughout the summer
6: No, I do not.
0: Okay, then you probably, typically wouldn't be covered throughout the summer. Some people are okay through the summer. There is something on my page that says something. If you don't have reassurance that you're going back to this job and they didn't tell you you're coming back, sometimes you can keep claiming. But if you go to the page or if you just send me a message, I can send you something from... um, Change form 1620, a federal change form that says something about teachers and school workers about whether they should qualify through the summer or not. If you don't qualify for the summer and just the weeks from March until June, then you should still be paid those weeks at least. You could stop claiming and be But I don't know if I should file a claim on my
6: bi-weeklies now because of the summer and now uh, they're, they're telling me I shouldn't be doing this. The email said I shouldn't be doing this.
0: It just depends on the situation. Um, if you normally work a summer job, you would definitely probably be eligible. It just—I would—I um, don't have the paper on me right now, but it depends on the circumstances of the situation. Some school workers can claim through the summer; some can't. It just depends on um, whether they're independent contractors or whether they're promised um, reassurance to come back to the job. Uh, I found out that as an independent
6: contractor, I could claim. Like three or four weeks, six weeks into it. So I did. I received the confirmation letter, uh, which I agree with. I received the claimant ID, effective date, uh, March the 15th. I never received a PIN. Okay. Oh,
0: okay. PUA doesn't have pins. When you signed up for PUA, you should have had a username and a password. And that username and your password is how you log in and file for all your weeks rather than using your social and a PIN. When he does log in, his claim may be inactive and he may have to refile a new claim to make it active, at which point they'll only give him current weeks and he'll have to upload proof of the week he lost work, whether that's bank statements or cancellation letters from clients, some type of proof that he lost work that week and call in to get those weeks back from March.
4: Okay, now someone just te- just texted in and said, I'm an independent contractor. I didn't realize that I was eligible for PUA till I heard you talking. Can I- I still apply? And how far back can I collect?
0: You can definitely still apply. I would upload proof of the week. Like I just said, the week you lost work, whether it's client cancellation letters or um, a letterhead from the employee, the uh, independent contractor person who contracts you and upload that proof and then call in to try to get those previous weeks because now they're not they're they're only giving current weeks due to fraud probably that you're only allowed to do current weeks but you're definitely eligible you're just going to need to call to get the weeks from march
4: haley you're a godsend thank you again
0: thank you for having me frank
4: i'm sure i'll talk to you again
3: soon once again their facebook page is pua pennsylvania Haley Michelle and her group trying to get all the answers to the questions that you have. And if you didn't get any of your answers here during the program today, you might want to check on their Facebook page and contact them because they will certainly try to get the answers for you. Now don't go away. When we come back, Scranton Mayor Paige Cognetti joining us on Special Edition. Welcome back to Special Edition. Now we're going to hear from Scranton Mayor Paige Cognetti. She spoke with Intercom's Jason Barsky about things happening in the city. And speaking of things happening in the city, when they're done, we're also going to tell you about some things that are starting up on Monday. It is Scranton Together Neighborhood Initiative, a program to improve quality of life in city neighborhoods. But first... Jason and Mayor Cognetti.
1: We have a uh, Mayor Paige Cognetti on the phone. It's Mayor Cognetti. Good morning. And how are you? Good. I just had it was a I wouldn't say it was a contentious phone call, but I had a call from a Scranton resident who said that if you paint on the streets, it's the law and you're breaking the law and you need you know you get arrested. And I said, well, if you have a permit, you're not. And we just went back and forth, but still breaking the law. And I said, mm-hmm. I think you just agree disagree with the cause more than anything because permits are designed to well, get give you that free pass
7: you can't have any political speech on public property so that's where the difference between uh, like a black lives matter versus something that's the moniker for a political candidate that would be those thing, those two things would be different
1: what what do you say to the people who immediately go are you kidding me black lives matter is not political
7: it's not but it's that's not it's not a political party it's not a political candidate so that's it, a it's a social movement but it's very different than a political party or candidate okay. that's it, so, um, yeah, so for example, when, you know, political candidate. You go on social media. You have to register your, as a political candidate, and Facebook and Twitter and Instagram they vet you, and they, you have to give them your your FEC filing and all these mm-hmm. things that show that you're a political candidate or party. So it is very
1: different. So are you saying so? Yes or no? With my permit, I'm going to I'm going to be very just unbiased here and just say I want to put mm-hmm. a, a street mural that simply says. Paige Cognetti is the mayor of Scranton. I want to paint that in the street. It doesn't pick a side. It just states a fact. Is that, would that be denied?
7: You know, we've never had a request in my time in office for that, so okay. I- It's, it's not a good, it's a not a bad, it's just- Yeah, <laughs> yeah. A, statement, a statement of fact would, I, I don't know how we would be able to, well, wouldn't we, get we haven't talked about street painting for <laughs> the city, but that would be a fact. But if it was page Cognetti for mayor,
1: absolutely yeah. not. No, no for, this would just be stating if you're the mayor. Okay, let's talk about what's going on in the city. The obviously crazy times <laughs> here. You um, have had a lot of issues. You inherited a lot of issues, a lot of things going on <laughs> in in the city. Uh, the latest was, uh, Uh, Tell everyone about the extension that was filed uh, for the city.
7: Right. So. So I love about northeastern PA and Scranton in particular, especially people do care so much what goes on, and that's great, and that's why I love I love being uh, the mayor here. But really, what the school district does every, most years is it's a very technical thing that the business administrator of the school district does asking the the Department of Education for the for permission to extend to increase taxes up to a certain amount. So it's really what happened last week is a very technical thing. I mean, honestly, I mean it's public record. Um, but the school district, I think, is 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 good to proactively put that out that they're looking for the ability to raise taxes to a certain ceiling. But it's not; it doesn't mean that that's what they're going to do. And, and speaking with with um, some of the members of the board. I mean, they, they don't, they certainly, certainly don't want to raise taxes that much at all. Yeah, I mean- uh, but they, you know, they they have to give themselves the ability to possibly do that and consider that, consider a band, consider a range of, of an increase uh, in the fall for that December budget.
1: Um, yeah, because I mean, you've seen, I'm sure, the response has been n- not positive by anybody. I think the the message about like, look, we've really been hit hard by this pandemic. Yep it kind of was like almost like the reverse of like the Robin Hood, you know, it's just like,
7: yeah. And I realized, and I realized that coming on, it just took me what 15 seconds to explain it. Like that's hard, right? It's really hard. I understand people's reactions and I am working with our team. We've got, we're getting together a group of of people to look at our taxes, our our wholesale, our taxes in the city that Mm -hmm. includes the school district. I don't have, I don't have the ability to, um, to change what the school district is going to do, but I'm certainly not going to be naive and pretend that it doesn't it doesn't impact our residents. And so we're in constant contact. I know that the school district is in their action, their recovery plan to raise taxes, which only makes it more important for us at the city to do everything we can to not have to do that on our end.
1: Is there so, any sort of, uh, do you have any sort of power? I know it's a totally different area but like do you have any ability to say veto something like that if they were to do that do you have any like I don't think you have that power in Scranton do you
7: I, I don't. I think that my power lies in trying to do what we can on the city's end to balance that burden. And if the school, we know the school district is raising, um, I don't think they will raise it that much. But we know the school district is raising. What are the things that the city can be doing to to help out? So we are combing through our budget. We are putting together our budget process for twenty twenty one. We're trying. There isn't a lot. There isn't a ton to cut, but we're trying to cut where we can and mm-hmm. trying to figure that out. So I think I think my job is is to be in constant communication with them, understand, and I certainly, have been, having been on the school board, understand their plate and what they have to deal with. Uh, we have very open dialogue. Uh, really, I talk with them every week. So I, I think that's a good, it's a, definitely a step in the right direction, and um, we're very focused on that. But it, it's this is terrible. I mean, it was already terrible. You and I would already be, without COVID, I think you and I would be talking today about Scranton taxes. Um, today, there's an article in the Washington Post about Scranton, and I, I'm very excited because it, it includes what I talk about, which is Scranton, Brandon is not an expensive place to live compared to New York and Philadelphia. Come here, move here, move your family here, have a big house and a and, and, you know, beautiful house with a historic downtown and all the food and everything. Come here and do this. Um, so I want to match that up with, with making it easy to do business in the city. Um, and I'm very focused on, on the tax piece, but I understand the anger out there and the concern, you know, we just paid our taxes last week and that was a gut punch. Right. So right. Um, I, I'm right. I'm right there with everybody.
1: Yeah. The, um, my theory, this is, you know, I don't know if you have an opinion on this, but my theory is that you go in early. You say sixteen point was a sixteen point five percent. They say they're going to raise it, with the idea being this makes news. People are talking. So when they go later to apply for federal, you know, money from the government to help them out, they go look, look how bad we need it here, and they just basically are out there early, going look, help, we're over here, help us, and they try to get more, more of the pie. I feel like that's what it is. Mm-hmm. I feel like they they would have to move out of the area if they were to sign off on a 16.5% school property tax. It doesn't <laughs> yeah, seem I, safe or it.
7: Again, it, it's it's giving them, it's a responsible thing to do to give themselves a range, um, but I, they, they certainly don't want to do that. I, and I don't think, if this is something, I think it's August 1st is the deadline for the business administrator. It's a super technical um, thing that, that he's supposed to do. I don't think there's a, a grand strategy behind it. But I, I did want to talk about asking for funding um, we we're asking for funding from in that next, in that next, um, stimulus bill, um, at the federal level that the Senate is considering. So, you know, we're, we're asking for direct funding help. Um, and we're, we actually are circulating a letter right now to ask the governor for more help for the school district as well. And, you know, I, I know you guys talk on, on the show, I'm sure like, where does all this money come from? I, you know, it's, it's, a uh, it's tough, but I would say my job at the local level is to is to advocate to the state and right now, especially the federal government, to get more funds into Scranton so that we aren't having to raise taxes or raise taxes very much.
1: What, are the, what, do, what do you think the likelihood of that? Uh, Scranton, and from what people tell me, again, I've been out of the area. Uh, I was out of the area for a while. I've been back three years now. But people always say Scranton always gets the short end of the stick. They they always seem to get a little bit less. And people think it's it's v- revenge politics. What, <laughs> what, what do you think you can do? Or what do you think the, uh, the pot? Yes. What are the chances that Scranton gets a big boost and like a shot in the arm to really come out of this pandemic when we get there? Really yeah. with momentum.
7: Well, I don't think we're, we, we shouldn't get anything that's more proportionate than, it should all be proportionate, right? So yesterday I was on a call with dozens of mayors around the state. We were on the call with Senator Toomey um, talking to him about direct funding and the need for that. It would all be proportionate. I, I'm not looking for Scranton to get any more than it should based on its population, but um, but we definitely punch above our weight, and I work really hard to make sure that our, the Scranton's profile around the region, around the state, even nationally, you know, that Washington Post article today I'm thrilled about because it talks about Scranton and, and it talks about it in a positive way. We have a, this initiative, at the city work from here. We want to make that a campaign, like work from here. We I'll we'll work from, from mm-hmm. home. Why live in the petri dish of New York City when you can live in Scranton and, and stretch out and work from here? So it, that, what I think my job is, is, you know, the chief marketer of the city, right? So get, yeah. get us out there, get people understanding what, um, what Scranton has to offer.
1: Um, what, have we, there, is there still a plan in place for like tax-free businesses is that still a thing or is it, that was, I the think. Lurda. Or- there was one, it was like a 10 year thing. Someone brought this up yesterday and yes, re- reminded me. Yep,
7: yep, absolutely. Yeah, the Lurda, the, the Lurda is, um, the tax tax abatement for 10 years that's still alive and well. And then, then federal opportunity zones. We, we have some great tracks of opportunity zones throughout the region and especially in Scranton. Uh, actually, there was a, a roundtable in Scranton yesterday with um, a representative from the federal government um, and some of the developers talking about that. So we do actually have some of those economic development tools to help, help start up businesses here. And, you know, that, that those can be controversial, too. Um, as you know, <laughs> every day, every, everything has, has two sides. And um, my job, I think, is to try to talk about how it can benefit. These things can benefit all people, even though you know sometimes it's unpalatable to say, "Well, wait a second, why does this developer not have to pay taxes on on this property?" Well, if, if they're bringing business to Scranton, um, we want them to we want them to come here, and we do have to try to incentivize that. So, uh, if, if we can get all of these things running, if we can draw investors in, uh, we do have good tools for that. But it's also my job to figure out how we're making sure that our property owners, our homeowners. Aren't being uh, unduly burdened by the, the tax structure that we have in the city. And, you know, I hate the wage tax. You talk about living outside of the area too, Jason. And when I moved from New York in 2016, I couldn't believe how high the wage tax was. I was shocked there even was.
1: That's something they are still so working now. on here, the, all the mercantile yeah. tax, all that stuff. What, what is the big holdup? Like, what is the issue? How can we.
7: How, on the on the business privilege working Yeah, yeah, yeah. That, so that's another, um, we have to work with the school district on that. So okay. that's-, that's the Nothing's easy, factor. isn't it? If we could, yeah, you know, if we could do it unilaterally, I, I think it would have already been done. Um, yeah, nothing, nothing's easy. And, and it's interesting because when I do talk to, you know, different um, mayors of cities, uh, a lot of mayors also, big, bigger cities have, you know, the school districts that are under them. And that's a, 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 a huge burden, but it also means that some of these things like that, you can you can do. And you and know, I had talked about Oregon recently. You know, in Oregon, you the school board doesn't raise taxes it's it's only by referendum of the people so when i moved to pennsylvania i couldn't believe that it was just elected board members that raised taxes so you know i think longer term we we should take a real hard look at the the whole governing structure in pennsylvania because i think there's some things that um there's some things that that we should do by referendum that we do with with just a small group of
1: people is it safe to say because i had the same experience having grown up in jersey moving to pennsylvania spending 10 years here, going out to the West Coast, coming back. It is, it's convoluted. And it also, it's hard to hold people accountable for their decisions when it's like, well, I only made this decision because they made that decision. I had to do this because they did that. And they go, no, 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 we did this because of that. They start, there's so many people making such huge decisions that affect people financially that it's like, you can't really hold people. And then people just decide, I don't like that person. They, I don't think they, people really know who to blame sometimes. And it's, it sucks. (laughs) i being honest. Right,
7: well, and it, there's so many layers of government, right? It's just, it's it, it, there's so many layers. Connecticut, I believe, got rid of their counties. Like, I'm not saying, you know, love all our county commissioners and everything, but, you know, it, you have so many different layers of government, and I... I I, I think we really need to simplify the way that the way that we govern in Pennsylvania, and um, that's a that's a longer term thing, but it's possible. And you can you can overdo it, right? You live in California, you can do too much by referendum. I mean, California can be yes. arguably is over democratized, right? So somewhere in the middle. But um, I, I couldn't believe as a school board um, member when I first got on, and this, one of the first pieces of legislation in front of me was, you know, a tax increase, and I thought, wait, what? How, how is this possible? Um, at home, it would uh, home any bond, you know bond issue, that's all. That's all the, the people voting. Right. And I'd, I'd like us to get to some uh, some more of these things um, by by referendum instead of uh, by... You know, we are elected officials and you know I, I'm working really, really hard to make really um, informed decisions and to continue to talk with okay. people and not just make them behind closed doors. But at the end of the day, I, I think we have some ways to go structurally with our government.
1: Um, someone wanted me to ask you this and then I just have a question about how do, people can reach out and contact yes. you with questions because someone said they reach out, they, they don't get responses And and I know you said when you campaign, you're going to be very accessible and I know you're busy with things, but um, where do you currently stand on bankruptcy for the city? Is is it a viable option to consider? Is it something you throw around or is it a no go? And that's not what's going to happen anytime while you're in office.
7: Well, first I I would, I would wonder if they didn't. So we, sometimes people say that they didn't hear back from us, but we did write them back or um, so we, the Scranton 311 at scrantonpa.gov email um, is, is, monitored all every day and we have the phone number three four eight four one oh one those are two ways to get in touch with me um, Facebook we do monitor we aren't able to respond to it as immediately as those emails okay. so uh, maybe somebody reached out on Facebook and we, we haven't gone back to them yet um, so the, the, the emails on there for a reason it's on the, the Facebook bounce back so again, grant 311 at grantpa.gov Um the bankruptcy issue so the Bankruptcy, you can't just declare it unilaterally as a city, you have to ask permission from the governor. You have to basically um, petition the governor for bankruptcy. And um, I do not believe that there's any appetite um, in Harrisburg to have any, anyone in the, the state, um, except for maybe a very extreme circumstance, um, declare bankruptcy. So I, I think that it's, I believe it, it's a bit of a non-starter um, given given the, the process um, okay. of, of that. So it, it's, but I will consider anything and that this is a thing is again not going to put blinders on we're not going to pretend that that you know our finances are something that they're not and so you know really looking at a whole range of options um continuously um and there isn't you know we we would never leave anything off the table completely um, but we also need to be aware of the processes and and again i i I think it's pretty much a non-starter um but you know i'm not going to pretend that it's not something that's crossed my mind
1: before Gotcha. Okay. Um, uh, thank you for your time. Okay. Okay. Appreciate
3: it. And the kickoff of Scranton Together Neighborhood Initiative, a program to improve quality of life in city neighborhoods, will be kicking off on Monday, August 3rd, starting at Washburn and Sumner. The city will have staging locations in neighborhoods to connect residents for available services. They will include the fire department, They'll be around scheduling smoke detector installations. Members of the DPW will have recycling bins and they'll follow up with residents if they need large items disposed of. And other departments will be there as well. They'll also be talking about the 2020 census. Now don't go away when we come back U.S. Attorney for the Middle District of Pennsylvania, David Freed, will be here to talk about Operation Legend. And we're going to remember Conrad Walsh. Next on Special Edition, Operation Legend. It's national, but affects us locally.
4: And on the line with us right now is the U.S. Attorney for the Middle District of Pennsylvania, David Freed. And I've asked him to come on the air to explain to us about Operation Legend. David, thank you for joining us. How are you, sir?
6: Thanks, Frank, doing well today, and thanks again for having me on.
4: Absolutely. Now, it's it's the lead story on a whole bunch of networks, on newspapers. Uh, Operation Legend, Department of Justice expanded to Cleveland, Detroit, Milwaukee amid violence. Can you kind of let people know what Operation Legend is?
6: Sure. Operation Legend is a focused effort uh, between and among federal, state, and local law enforcement to address violent crime in places where it is spiked. And, you know, unfortunately, Frank, around the country, uh, if you look at cities around the country, you can see for a lot of reasons, including the, the pandemic and, and, and other questionable leadership decisions in a lot of our cities, violent crime has spiked. And Operation Legend's named after a little boy who was killed by uh, named Legend Tally Farrow. And uh, the attorney general takes violent crime very seriously. I've talked on the show before about Project Guardian he is laser-focused on, on violent crime. One of the reasons I wanted to come on with you, Frank, and, and get a word with your listeners was there's a lot of misinformation out there that's conflating operation legend with the efforts that are ongoing to protect federal installations around the country as well. And I thought it might be good to talk about the difference there a little bit.
4: Uh, I appreciate that. In fact, I was I was watching the attorney general's, um, whatever that you want to call that yesterday, <laughs> his, <laughs> his, his grilling, and, and you know, he was ma- making so much sense because he was talking about federal authorities protecting a federal courthouse, and I couldn't understand, like, what was the missing element there? That's what they're supposed to do,
6: right? Yeah, Frank, we've been been really fortunate in the Middle District of Pennsylvania with the demonstrations, you know, appropriate demonstrations that have taken place. We had a little bit of a violent incident in Harrisburg, but not much. But I have to commend our citizens. You know, the protests and demonstrations that have taken place here, they have been exactly what they should be, people out there exercising their First Amendment rights, having their say, and doing it in a safe manner. Whereas what's going on in Portland is violent anarchy. I mean, the, 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 there has nothing to do with racial justice and Black Lives Matter. That's all about anarchy, anti-government, uh, destruction, and damage. So the point that the Attorney General was making and has been making is that Operation Legend is a focus effort to go after violent crime. They're specifically in certain cities, but the principles work really well. Uh, outside of those cities, you see it all the time, especially in northeastern Pennsylvania, we're seamless. With the state and local authorities working together, and what's going on though in the cities, also where federal agents are being dispatched, is to protect those buildings and protect federal property and protect federal employees. I really don't understand the confusion. And Frank, I caught a bit of that uh, hearing yesterday. You know, there's always they're always interesting because you hear a lot of speeches and not many questions, right? Yeah. But uh, you know, there's nobody. I- I've never seen anybody handle it like Bill Barr does. It's really amazing.
4: Uh, I, I agree and I mean that's why I said i don't know why you want to call that because it really wasn't a question it was almost like people were campaigning or making statements and when he wasn't allowed to answer questions it just drove me crazy but david uh, what I don't understand is why the the government officials in these towns wouldn't welcome the help because we're seeing we're seeing cities ripped apart
6: yeah frank' it's it's, it's really unusual now now there's a, there's a, A certain extent to which that's going on in Philadelphia, it's not quite as bad. We're just really fortunate in the the Middle District, and i got to tell you, you know, Frank, the leadership in our cities here, uh, you know, clearly I'm a Republican. I was appointed by Donald Trump um, and, and, you know, ran for office as a Republican previously. But, you know, the leadership of our cities is, is generally from the other party, and we work really well with them. We have great open lines of communication. Uh, you know, maybe we're just a little bit different here in our, our part of the world, but I, I just had a great conversation with with Mayor Cognetti from Scranton last week when I was in Scranton. Uh, and, and you know, I just feel like the, the, the fact that we have this outstanding communication is really paying great dividends. You know, we can call up, uh, pick up the phone and talk to each other, and that's great. I don't understand... It's like they're not seeing what's going on in those places, Frank. It's really unbelievable.
4: I I agree, and and you know I, I want to get to this issue because you and I have talked about this every year on at least one day a year, and that is law enforcement appreciation. And I mean, I I, I just. It just—it's just making me crazy that the way our law enforcement officials are being targeted, being injured, being hurt, and and even being portrayed—and I'm—I keep looking for a way to try and say, wait a minute, there's not one of us that's uh, that's that supports bad cops, but you can't you can't make every law enforcement official the enemy, David. I I don't know how to respond to this, but I got to do something.
6: Well, it's really troubling, and I think you just have to keep waving the banner. Here's an example. You know, Frank, I haven't had a chance to follow the coverage too well in the Northeast. But this past Friday, you know, we had a a police officer who who went bad, sentenced to 15 years in federal court. You know, we did the case. Luzerne County brought it to us, did an incredible job investigating the case, joined up with the FBI. And and that that bad police officer got sent down for 15 years uh, for, for forcing uh, women in, into sexual acts. You know, that's the kind of thing that we do when police officers step out of line. And, and there's a long long examples of doing that. that, that that's, that's what's done and if people, you know, pay close attention, listen to the folks, and, and, and really read the coverage that's out there, that's what they're going to see. It's, it's very difficult I think for police officers out there to stand up, do their job, protect and serve when they're being screamed at, yelled at, spit on, uh, having bricks and, and and explosives thrown at them, and that's not an exaggeration. Frank, eight, eight indictments were unsealed out in Pittsburgh today that detailed just that kind of conduct. It, so
4: you know, it's happening, unfortunately. I mean, there was a report of of, of the protesters if, or or the rioters using lasers to blind federal officers. I mean, come on, this is this is this is way beyond protest for sure.
6: Well, that certainly is, and and it's not reflective of. The people that I've talked to, that, that you know, may have come from a certain, certainly come from a different perspective than me, have different thoughts about what effective law enforcement is. We could still have a conversation, and they're out there having their say, and they're not pointing lasers, destroying police vehicles, and defacing buildings. Uh, I can understand. In in a lot of cases, people are upset, they're frightened. I get it, but we cannot stand for the violence. And and, and you know what, Frank. The vast majority of people are with us. You know, they might not speak up, but I'm telling you, uh, I know it. I see it when I'm out in the communities. You know, the the people are with us, and we're going to continue to do our jobs and protect our citizens.
4: Well, this is very, very strong opinion on my half, but I think one of the most dangerous things that I hear is this phrase, defund the police. And I don't want to hear people say, well, it doesn't really mean defund, because I think this whole concept of defund the police has become a political football, and it is scary.
6: Frank, we have, we have asked our police to do so much. We have made them the mental health counselors of last resort. We have made them the drug counselors of last resort. Our county prisons are nothing but mental health, health holding facilities and drug treatment facilities. They're not trained for that. They're not set up for that. And, and they need help. So let's not defund the police. Let's help the police. Let's give them the resources they need to help them do the job and the training that they need.
4: David Freed, thank you as always. Thank you for clearing up uh, the information on Operation Legend, and I know you're very busy. Thanks for calling us, sir.
6: Thanks for the opportunity,
4: Frank. Take care. My pleasure.
3: And now we remember Conrad Walsh. He's a friend of Special Edition, and he brought to our attention Veterans Promise and their Facebook page, Veterans Promise Northeast PA. Suicide Among Veterans, Very prominent in today's society, Conrad and others working to help. We have uh, a ceremony the 22nd of every month called Shining the Light on 22.
6: And what it is, uh, according to the Department of Defense statistics, we're losing approximately 22 veterans each and every day to suicide. And when you hear a number like that and you look at over the last 8 or 10 years how
3: many lives that is, it's a lot. Again, Conrad Walsh brought to our attention Veterans Promise of Northeast Pennsylvania and all the wonderful work that they do for not only area veterans, but veterans in other states. Veterans Promise NEPA five seven zero eight nine two twenty sixty. They also have a website, veteranspromisenepa.org. And once again, we would like to send out our sincere condolences to Conrad Walsh's family and friends. And thank him for being our friend on Special Edition.
6: I'm U.S. Attorney David Freed. The Department of Justice wants you to know that if you have been sexually harassed by a landlord or property manager a loan officer or housing official, a maintenance worker or security guard, you can do something about it. Contact us at 844-380-6178 or email fairhousing at usdoj.gov. You have fair housing rights under the law. Call 844-380-6178. Thanks for
2: listening to Special Edition... A weekly look at the issues in the news and the personality shaping the stories. A production of Intercom Communications.
1: T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours